All right. We are live. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Divi Chat. We are super excited. We have a special guest, Randy Brown, and we are talking all about content, uh, content marketing to be specific. And so we're going to go ahead and dive into this. If you're not familiar with Randy, uh, they say content is king. And then Randy is king of Divi content. Um, I just made that up in my head. Um, and uh, yeah, Randy is a blogger uh, who works for uh, Elegant Themes as well as several other Divi companies out there. So you have probably read some of Randy's articles, whether you realize it or not. So Randy is a awesome uh, blogger. And so we're excited to have him on the show today to share his thoughts on content marketing. But before we dive in, let's go ahead and meet our panel. So uh, in typical Mike Devitt fashion, we are going to go all the way down under uh, to see our pal, Sarah. Hey, guys, Sarah Oates here from Intuit Web Studios. I'm coming to you from Canberra in Australia, and it is 7 a.m. I was looking yesterday at just how long it's going to be 7 a.m. for. It's still till October. We've got a long while away. <laughs> so still another like 12 weeks, I think, until we then get to 8 a.m. So I'm very excited about October, I've got to say. Uh, you can catch me at endure.com.au or endure web on the socials. Awesome. Glad to have you here, Sarah, even though it is bright and early for you. Uh, next up, we have our pal, Eric. Hey, everybody. My name's Eric, and I am with In Transit Studios, uh, broadcasting from Virginia Beach. And uh, I'm going to be looking this way a lot, um, not because I'm ignoring you, but I get to watch the chat and everything over here. So I'll be listening in and, and participating, but not looking at you. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be so offended, Eric. I know. I know. I, I'm pumped. <laughs> We've had uh, Eric on two weeks in a row. This is great. Uh, we might just have to make him a regular panelist. I don't know. What does Ooh. everyone think about that? I don't um, know. Everyone's opinions. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Randy, where are you broadcasting from? Hey, I'm Randy Brown, Sweetwater, Tennessee, out in the sticks. So all I have is is mobile from a hotspot. So if, if, if that doesn't work, then I'll just have to use the chat, <laughs> but uh, I'm a content <laughs> provider. I create articles, blog articles. I write how to articles and uh, I do plugin reviews, theme reviews, uh, lists, pretty much any type of writing that you need. And I write about WordPress and Divi and e-commerce and social media and a little bit of all that other stuff. Love it. Yeah. We're super excited that you're here, Randy. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hope the, the hot spot holds out for us for the duration of Divi Chat. Uh, my name is Tim Streifler. I'm broadcasting from San Clemente, California. And you can find me online at divilife.com where I have all my Divi plugins, child themes, layouts, tutorials, and so forth. And then wpgears.com where I have the uh, Divi Business Expert course with our pal David Blackman, who was uh, previously a panelist here on Divi Chat. And uh, we also have the WP the podcast, uh, which is a podcast that's been on break for a year now. So we will be back at some point, hopefully in the near future. Um, but enough about me. Let's dive into uh, content marketing. Uh, content marketing is one of those things that a lot of people kind of hear the buzzword, um, but maybe don't fully understand. And so um, 
I'm typically the definition person here on Divi Chat. So I'm going to give it a quick uh, definition and then uh, we can kind of just talk about it and, and um, go from there. So, um, and by the way, Stephanie is normally our MC. And so uh, everyone, please bear with me. I'm not as good as MC as <laughs> Stephanie oh, is. So on, if it's team. not as smooth as she makes it, my apologies. Um, You'll do great. <laughs> thanks. So yeah, content marketing is kind of what it's, the words are right it's it's marketing with content and so uh if you think of kind of traditional marketing and advertising where it's very much outbound and it's like advertising you're putting yourself out in front of customers in um content marketing falls under what is considered inbound marketing which is you let the user come to you and you do that through creating high quality valuable content and let it happen naturally, organically, uh, through search traffic and, and so forth. And so content marketing is essentially creating good quality content that solves your customers' problems to get them to find you naturally online. And then hopefully you can build a relationship, earn their trust, and then eventually they can become a paid customer. So that's kind of content marketing in a nutshell. Um, do any of, of, of you all here on the, on the panel have anything to add to that? Um, I, if I if you want to tell me that I did a terrible job defining it, I'm okay. I can take <laughs> criticism. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say, but <laughs> no, that, that's perfect. That's exact, exactly perfect. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, Randy being a blogger, he's a big part of content marketing. And um, I want to bring up Elegant Themes again, because uh, obviously this is Divi Chat. So we do talk about Elegant Themes a lot. But also Randy is a uh, regular blogger for Elegant Themes. And Elegant Themes has a incredible content marketing strategy. Um, they started uh, heavily into the content marketing. I want to say like I don't know, seven or eight years ago. It wasn't something they did from the beginning, but then they really doubled down on it. And so you can really do any type of WordPress related search out there. And you're probably going to come across an Elegant Themes article uh, that will teach you how to do it and, and help you solve your problem. And so that's like, they're like a, a great example of content marketing and, and uh, kind of what to look towards. So Randy, what has your experience been like being part of the Elegant Themes uh, blogging team and, and kind of experiencing that uh, content marketing strategy firsthand and being a part of that? It's fun. Um, I don't really know what to say about that, but it, I mean, it, it's interesting seeing the goals and how all the content strategies are put together. Uh, I'm not in the meetings because I'm a freelancer, but I do hear the feedback and I do see the direction. Nathan, uh, the, the blog manager, will um, he will assign me uh, content and he doesn't just say do this. He'll, he will explain what the expectation is, what the goals are and how, how to go about the process. So I'm involved with understanding understanding that so that when I do understand that now I know how to go about developing what they what they actually need so that communication is there with me and Nathan and then if I have a problem with uh, something that's not working together or something like that I'll go back to Nathan and then we'll, we'll possibly reformat the article or make some tweaks or adjustments and make it work the way he needs it to work but um, yeah it, it's been a great process I've, I've enjoyed it a, a, and, and I've also learned a lot from it that's awesome uh, 
I love that. And and I uh, it's been a long time, but I've been had the privilege of doing some freelance blogging with Elegant Themes as well and and did a couple campaigns. So I got to work with Nathan too. Uh, Nathan's awesome. Uh, the whole Elegant Themes team really is is incredible. Um, so yes, obviously Elegant Themes is a software company. They're creating software. So content marketing, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, but a lot of our, our listeners here on Divi Chat are not creating software, but they're building websites for clients. And so um, what do you all think about content marketing for web designers? Does it make sense? Do you guys do it, Eric, over at Intransit? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we're actually just rolling out a new content strategy. So we are basically what we're doing is over this next six more weeks, we're sending out a weekly email um, it's an email series right now. We're emailing all about Google My Business um, and we're doing that to our list to add value to our current clients. So it's kind of a retention um, strategy. And then at the end of that, we're going to take what I've written over eight weeks and then put it out as a massive blog, you know, as a big kind of uh, pillar piece of content, if you will, instead of trying to blog on a weekly basis. Um, so we're going to see how this goes. Uh, so we're going to give to our clients first and then have some something to post out there for SEO and to try to add value to people coming in that way. That's awesome. Love nice. that. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Sarah? Uh, do you do any for your business? So when we redesign the website, we re redesign it to have a blog. <laughs> but have I written any blogs? No. Um, it is definitely... It is definitely part of my goal for this year, except that now we're halfway through the year. So we'll just see how we go. My plan is not to write blogs weekly. I would like to be writing blogs monthly. And my goal is to kind of have the two-pronged approach of I want to give value to our current clients. So basically, um, mostly targeting small business, um, either clients who are with me now or clients who are looking for a web developer or looking for someone to help them rather than I think... Um, I love doing training and tutorials and those kind of things. But, um, and I would love at some point for that to be part of my future. But in terms of the blog and the content strategy, in terms of my website, I don't think it's a smart avenue. And so as much as I would like to go down that track, I think I really need to focus on small business. And it could be tutorials for them. But um, yeah, I think it's harder work for me working on um, blogs in that capacity compared to doing some sort of tutorial. <laughs> unfortunately yeah. but it's an important strategy and our business is finally getting to the point where it's not just me there's now a developer i do have a um a designer and a developer freelancing for me so i need more work and i've never had to promote but i'm sorry i'm getting to the point now where i need to up my game with my seo because i need more work to come in so that i can sustain all of us and we can all continue growing our hours um and that is relying on seo which is therefore going to mean I need to put an effort into it. So it's good timing for me, this chat. <laughs> Give me a yeah. kick up the bum. <laughs> That's awesome. So one thing I, I, I feel like can be uh, a bit of a hurdle, especially for um, web designers or other service providers. So whether you're wanting to, to start content marketing for your own web design business, or you're trying to encourage your clients, uh, let's say, you know, plumbers, for example, um, there's that kind of that thought of, well, wait, why would I want to teach someone how to do something that is what normally my clients pay me to do? Like, why do I want to give it away for free? And I think that's something that 
a lot of um, people that are new to content marketing ask because it, it does seem almost counterintuitive. It's like, I'm a plumber. People pay me to fix leaks. Why would I want to write an article, teach them how to do it for themselves? And so um, in my opinion, the biggest thing is the people that want to do it themselves aren't the people that are going to pay you ever, <laughs> or they're the people yeah. that want to try to do it themselves and then realize how hard it is. So then they go and they hire you. And so for web designers, it's like you teach them something about, uh, like we'll take Erica's example, Google my business and how it works and stuff. And, and someone can be like, okay, I think I can figure this out. And then they realize, you know what, this is more difficult than I thought. I need a professional. This company in transit studios, they just prove that they know what they're doing because they wrote all this valuable content. Like, of course, I'm going to call them. Who else am I going to call? And so that can kind of be that like, oh, that's that's the light bulb moment of how content marketing can be effective. Because for a lot of people, it's like, well, why would I want to give away my best secrets? First of all, they're not secrets. Everyone else has articles already. So <laughs> yeah. you're not well, providing kind of... it for free. Someone else is providing it for free. So you yeah, might as exactly. well be the one that they find, right? Yeah, yeah. It sets you up as an authority. Of, that's kind of part of our strategy is that right there to set up as an authority. And we're actually, it just so happens in about eight weeks, we're going to be rolling out a brand new service of Google review management. Um, and so I'm leading up to that, uh, you know, so that's why we're, we're doing it. Oh, it all works together. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's why I feel like content marketing is there's so much strategy behind it. I mean, there's strategy in any marketing, uh, but like paid ads, it's like it's a more straightforward strategy because it's like, here's my product. And then you want to pay some money to get it in front of people where content marketing, you do need to be strategic and have the the right type of content uh, for that people are searching for and then have a way for them to, you know, come on an email list or, or you know, do whatever so that they can continue getting value from you. And eventually, hopefully a, a percentage will become customers. Um, but yeah, Randy, a little bit more, um, with you. So obviously elegant themes. Um, and then I know you've, uh, you've blocked for other Divi brands like Divi space and Divi cake and, and so forth. Um, I guess what, what has been your experience with blogging for other Divi related companies that are kind of competing against each other, <laughs> if you know what I mean? So like, um, if you, because like it, it's marketing at the end of the day. So, um, how has that been with working for this company and then also working for this company over here? I don't know how that this relates to content marketing exactly, but I'm just kind of curious. What your thoughts are. <laughs> just interested. <laughs> yeah, it be it becomes interesting when you have to write the same article five different times. Yeah, <laughs> and you want to write it differently every time. Fortunately, in that case, I don't have that that good of a memory. So I don't remember what I've already written <laughs> and I don't look at my other content. I never go back and look at another article. I start from scratch every single time. Plus things change over time. If you write about DV last year, it's different than if you write about DV this year. So Very you true. can write the same content, the same topic over and over and it's different every time. Um, so also a lot of them have different call to action. Some of them want you to join their membership program. Others want you to buy their plugin. So even though the topics are related and sometimes exactly the same, the focus is different because the call to action is different. That's awesome. I'd be really interested to hear more about that. So uh, when you say you're writing a topic based on like what you're trying to achieve, 
how does that come into the process of actually writing the the um, article? Like, are you kind of writing in a different way depending on what they're trying to achieve at the end? It can be different, um, but a lot of times they will want they will want something within the article itself. For example, if I'm writing about um, a DV child theme then of course I'm using the DV child theme and then that's the purpose of the article. But if I'm writing about a form, a form plugin, then the focus is on the form plugin. And then, so I'm using the product throughout the article. Uh, now, if they want me to write about DV and at the very end of it also push our course, then I'm probably going to seed little things throughout the article that mention that, um, about how important it is to learn. So I'm kind of pushing that direction. So when I do get to the end, it, it works and goes together. I don't want to just tack on something at the end that doesn't fit. I don't want it to feel like it came from left field. So it's like watching a series and all of a sudden the last, last episode doesn't go with the rest of it. You want it to go together. And so that's where I will seed in keywords naturally. I don't, I don't like to use keyword stuffing. I will use keywords in a natural process to make it work. Sometimes that's hard to do, but hmm. that's my, my train of thought as I'm developing the article. That's awesome. Yeah, nice. So what I'm hearing is when you're writing like for marketing purposes, it's different than if you're writing for, you know, other, you know, a personal blog or uh, something like that. Cause where you're, you're intentionally throughout the article kind of uh, going the direction that you're trying to, to go towards. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, what is your process in terms of like the research side of it? Uh, cause I blog for my own company, but it's typically the things I already know a lot about, but when you're working with other companies and they, they say, Hey, Randy, go and write about this. It might be something that you haven't done before or a product you haven't used before. So what is your process of, of researching? I know you said you don't go back and read your own articles, but do you go and read other articles and stuff like that? I do. Uh, a lot of times a client will give me um, like three or four examples. We want it to be something similar to this. And then, you know, that takes a little bit of the research out for me. So I don't have to go find those articles and ask them, is this one something that you would like? Sometimes I have to do that. But if they if they provide some samples, then I will read through those examples and I never copy their work or I never even take their word for it. Uh, so if they say this plugin does this thing, I load the plugin myself and see if it still does the thing. And also yeah, nice. to make sure they're understanding it correctly. But sometimes they don't. Uh, sometimes it's just a writer who's written an article and their goal was to promote you know, the, a plugin by that website at the end of it. So. And it could even be a related plugin from another company that if you look at it close enough, you find out that they're all owned by the same company anyway. Uh, so you have to figure out what their purpose of writing their article is and try to step back from that and then take the meat of the information. So what I'll typically do is take maybe three to five articles and see where their information crosses, take out the outliers. So if, if this one's talking about five plugins and that one's talking about 10 plugins and this one's talking about seven plugins, I look and see which of the plugins are common among them. And I look and see which ones are not common among them. And usually the ones that are not are the ones that they were paid to write about or yeah. <laughs> uh, the ones that they just wanted to throw in and you know, nobody ever went with it. And, you know, they 
were hoping somebody would, but they didn't. And and also, like, for example, with plugins, you have to load them yourself to make sure that they still work because a lot of them will be you know um, updated for 2021. And then you look at the plugin and it hasn't been updated in two years. <laughs> yeah. Load the plugins and make sure they still work. Also, for example, with plugins, I also like to look at the last few uh, reviews because it might have four and a half stars, but that was before they did their last update. And so the last update might have killed everything and it doesn't work anymore. So you can't just go by the rating and also look at the reviews plus the uh, the service agreements or the service uh, information where that they've found problems and they fixed it or you know, your last five reviews might have been a problem that's already fixed. So load it and see. Try it. Load it and see. Um, and then also when I'm loading something and I have a problem, I don't assume the problem is with the plugin. You know, it could be me because me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but my process is to look at other articles and then just see what is the common information. But I also want to see what's missing. So if this one article has five points and this one article has three points and that one article has 10 points, what are the good points from all of them and put them together? And I might end up with 15 good points that none of them together, none of them individually have. They have them together, but individually they don't. So now I'm able to, to create a bigger article than they have. And I'm also able to create a more thorough article than they have. But then I also decide what really is important and take out the things that are not. Because sometimes they talk about things that are not really important or they try to go too far. I don't really want to teach the common everyday user how to dig into their PHP. Yeah. Th that's more of an advanced topic. And I would rather the common reader not try that unless they're familiar with it. Now, if it's just a, a single thing, like add this piece of code to your WP config file. I'll show them how to access their WP config file, how to copy and paste the code and how to test it and leave it at that. I don't want to go any further than that, because if I do now, I'm getting into an area where I can make you have problems with your website. I don't want to cause you to have problems with your website. <laughs> so uh, so I, I try to decide what to include. And then I also try to decide what's missing. That's a long way of saying all that. But mostly yeah, no. what's the common themes? What, what, what's what's missing? put it together, make it better. Yeah, no, I like that. That's helpful. And, and that kind of answers, uh, because you went in depth, that answers the next question, which is how do you make the content killer? Right. And, and I realized <laughs> that, uh, Stephanie titled this episode, creating killer content with Randy Brown. And so I was going to ask you, yeah. how do you make it killer and how do you make it, yeah. you know, not just average, but, uh, you know, way above average. Um, and you kind of answered it by, by, seeing what's missing and, and so forth and filling in the gaps. And he looks and, like he's yeah. got another answer though. Yeah. Let's hear it. You can go deeper than that. Now, if you want to make it killer, <laughs> now this is just providing the information, but if you want to make the information killer and you want to go above and beyond, then you want to answer more questions that are related to the situation. And you also want to find out what's missing based on what people are searching for. For example, if you're, if you're trying to solve a problem with a WP config file or something along that line, just pick something, whatever it is, you're looking in the, in the chat, in, in the, the DV groups in Facebook, which are great groups. Excellent. Appreciate them very much. Uh, a lot of help there. So look in those groups, see what people are searching for that are related to what you're doing. 
add that because that's something that's missing. Then you can do things like uh, search on Google. Now I use a keyword tool. I use a tool called, I mean, keyword surfer, I think is the name of it. Let me bring it up real fast. Now if I bring up um, a plugin, no, never mind. Taking longer than I thought. I think it's called keyword surfer and it is a, um, an extension in Chrome. So what I do is I'll search for a problem and then the extension in Chrome will come up and tell me how many search results that there, there have been for the past month. And then it will also give me related search terms. So now I can look at what else are people looking for that are similar to this. And then I can include that and make it an even better con content. So now it's before it was good content. Now it's killer content because mm -hmm. I'm answering more questions, but I'm also being able to decide what are the keywords people are searching for. And I can use those keywords in a natural progression through the article. Love that. So that just yeah. kicks it up even, even better, even more. Yeah, no, that's outstanding. And you actually answered uh, Stephanie in the chat asked uh, if you did your own keyword research. So you just answered that question as well. Um, uh, one thing I do want to point out that you mentioned was see what other people are asking. And, uh, you know, and that kind of comes down mm -hmm. to like the what content marketing is, which is solving problems. If you're not writing content, that is solving yes. someone's problem, then it's useless because like not only do you not want to just put out content for no reason, but you're not going to get any search traffic. So if you're not putting out content that actually answers questions that people have related to the topic, then you're not going to come up in the search engine. And so that's kind of like right. the, the basis of content marketing, which is solve problems, answer people's questions. And that's how you get search traffic. Obviously SEO is more complicated than that, but if you kind of strip it down to just content and value and, and, and solving people's problems, that's really what it is. And so um, I love that you, you use that process with the keyword research and everything to see what, what people are typing in and asking. So that's awesome. Now, as far as the keyword research, I don't typically, sorry, I, we're, we're lagging and I didn't hear that you were still talking. Um, as far as the keyword research to answer Stephanie's question, if it's an article that Nathan has given me, then he's already done the keyword research. I don't have to do any of that research at all. He's already come up with the title. He's already come up with the keywords and he's already come up with the samples that he wants me to look at to see examples of be better than them. So uh, for Nathan, I don't have to do that. Now, if I want to, if I'm going to go in a little bit different direction than what Nathan even foresaw, even though he's doing a lot of research up front and spending a lot of effort and time into that, if I see something that I think will add to that, that's when I will go do keyword research and see, are people really looking for this? I can add this to this article for Nathan, but if nobody's looking for it, is it really a value added? Sometimes it is. And if it is, then I will go ask Nathan, hey, do you want me to include this? Because I see that people are searching for this and he'll say yes or no. Now, if I'm writing an article that I pitched myself and I do that sometimes to uh, to Elegant Themes, to DD Cake and, and other uh, other clients, then I'll do keyword research. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because uh, I feel like a lot of times people ask that question, well, what should I blog about? Well, don't make assumptions. Don't just guess what people want to know. Do keyword research and see what people are actually typing yeah. in related to your 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 niche and, and everything. Um, and so sometimes it's yeah, it's it's hard 
to, uh, you know, just come up with ideas. But if you can do the keyword research and then go from there, then it's it's a lot a lot easier um, for me, at least. I don't know if this is uh, what anyone else does, but I kind of break it down into to two categories, which is one, what are people typing in and then writing articles around that based off of, of keyword research. But then um, the second one is category and this makes sense for software and with divi and stuff is something that is really cool that people aren't necessarily typing in but it's a value add for my my existing subscribers because like if i figure out a really cool way to display content it doesn't really have a name and it's not something that people are searching for well i'm not going to really get search traffic but it's a value added to my existing mm -hmm. subscribers because oh wow this is really cool and that's sometimes from my experience those are actually the articles that gain the most traction and get the most comments and stuff because it's a really cool unique way of doing something opposed to the articles that have a lot of keyword research um it, it might solve a problem and answer a question but uh it's there might be a lot of competition for example or it's something that people have seen a bunch of times because uh it's been around for a while so even though there are people typing in it's just it's not that special and so i kind of break up content marketing into those exactly. two categories um and yeah it seems to to work well so i feel uh, like i we see that to... is the other side of of all of this yeah sorry go ahead go ahead i see that is the other side of this you don't always your, your readers don't always know what they need. So if you come across something that you think that they need, they don't know to search for certain things. And, yeah. and a lot of times I'm, you know, I'm looking around and I come across a plugin and I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, this is amazing. I need to pitch this to somebody <laughs> and then I'll pitch it to, to one or two clients and, and they'll say, yes, write this. And we didn't know that we needed to write that. And, you know, that's just paying attention to what's out there or it's also figuring out, what could make things better? You know, we know yeah. what their pain points are because of what they're writing in, in the forums, what they're writing in the, in the Facebook groups, what they're writing in the comments and the articles. But sometimes we come across something that they don't even know to be looking for. And so, yeah, really it is two sides to, to, uh, to the story. I think that would yeah. certainly be true for small businesses. Like I'm trying to think about the perspective of, like my clients are all small businesses um, and they're definitely going to be Googling, say pre-purchasing a website, they're going to be Googling certain things. But then if they become a client of yours, there's going to be plenty of things they're not going to know that they should be looking for. Like there's going to be plenty of things that they just don't have the understanding. A lot of them don't even know that Google My Business is a thing. So like yeah. I spend a lot of time when I'm meeting with clients, basically informing them, hey, do you have this thing? Like, do you even know your login for your Google Analytics? Like there's all these things that clients don't even have any idea about. Um, but by writing articles, you potentially could gain some traction from Google. But more than anything, you're going to be able to empower your own clients who then, like I get 99% of my work through word of mouth. And so if you're empowering your own clients, they're going to continue saying to their friends or to people that they know, these guys give such great value you should definitely go and chat to them. Or they may ask a question about a thing and your client happens to have seen the blog. They might not have even read the blog, but they know that you're putting out this content and it might be enough to kind of spark them on. So I think definitely for small business, websites feel out of their realm. They feel 
um, far above their understanding and being able to simplify things and present it in a way that they're going to be able to go, oh, I could, I could have a look at, you know, maybe implementing that in my own business. I think it doesn't even have to be specifically website related. It could even be just small business related. Um, and that could be really valuable for clients. Yeah. I think one thing to keep in mind is, you know, your, your vibe attracts your tribe. Um, and so what, what we did and kind of what started this whole idea with the, the sending the emails to create content is I was thinking like, I just want more of my clients. You know, I, I like them, you know, we've went, we've weeded out the ones we don't like, like, I just want to keep cloning my clients. I like them. So we just emailed, you know, a few hundred people and said, for the next seven weeks, we're putting out this, these, this email series on Google, my business. What's your question? I had no clue what I was going to write for the next seven weeks, but I got so many <laughs> questions from that. I got, you know, I have plenty of content Excellent. now. I'm going to be answering their questions. And if they're asking it, then people like them are asking it. So hopefully I'll end up with this great piece of content that I can put out there and, you know, mm -hmm. use it to attract more of the tribe I want. So that's kind of the approach that I'm taking wow. with it and asking questions, I think is key. That's awesome. I actually that's another good recently point. Just did ask. That. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually recently did a similar thing where I, I asked uh, my email list, what is the number one thing you struggle with as it pertains to Divi? And as you all probably guessed, the most common, there's two things. The most common was performance. And then the second thing was like header designs and stuff like that, not really understanding the theme builder. Um, yep. and so, but yeah, Divi performance was a big thing. And so I had an article from 2019 that was, it was a Facebook and YouTube live that I did talking about performance and it was short and I didn't really have a blog article to go with it. And so I basically took that post and then did a really in-depth written version and then re-recorded a, a video nice. and just by listening to the audience. And now I'm going to do some follow-up posts to that on some sp specific things. But um, yeah, just like, like Eric said, let, let them tell you what, what content to create because yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, like, I think Sarah alluded to this um, a lot of times clients don't know. It's like they don't know what they don't know type of thing. So yeah, there's that combination of, of keyword research, listening to your audience. And then just when you're an expert and an authority in your field, you can kind of anticipate those things. You have your ear to the ground. And you can kind of figure out things to write about that no one's typing in yet. Um, or if they are, the keyword research tools haven't caught up yet because that's something to be aware of too. Depending on your niche and, and, and stuff like that, the keyword research tools could be like six months or more behind of what people are actually typing. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of taking that multifaceted approach to figuring out what to write. And at the end of the day, it's not about just putting together content that is going to get a lot of search traffic. It should be about uh, solving customers' problems and so figuring out the best way to, way to do that. So, um, so one thing I, I definitely want to exactly. make sure we talk about today is, is tools. Um, now I know Randy, you mentioned the keyword research tool. Is there any other tools that you use, even if it's something simple, like a spreadsheet that you do during your research process and writing process for content creation? I use Microsoft word for my writing. And a lot of times I will just open up a ton of tabs in Chrome. And if it's something I think I like, 
or want to want to reference back to, I'll just copy the URL and put it in my notes as I'm going. And then when I get to that point in my notes, I'm like, oh, I need to go back and look at this article again. And um, I, I try not to copy any of the text because I don't want to make a mistake and accidentally use someone else's text. But, um, but that's OK if you keep it as a separate uh, font font design or something like that and then just use it as reference. I don't try to rewrite it or anything, but but mostly Word. Um, and then uh, and then just the, the tabs in Chrome. Sometimes I will use uh, the Google uh, the Google Sheets, the spreadsheet, and I will post things in there and then I will kind of like if I'm doing something like a, um, a plug in list and I want to see which list I, I think is better. I will give them a score and then I'll use the spreadsheet to help me score them and give them different things to score them with. And then that helps me choose which 10 of the 50 that I want to include because, yeah, you nice. know, bigger is not always better. Sometimes it's better just to narrow it down just a little bit. So yeah, that's where the, the spreadsheet does come in handy. Um, I've seen articles where they'll say, you know, the top 20, top 50, whatever this is, that doesn't help me. I want to, I want to narrow it down and just give me five choices. Just, just give me a few, <laughs> too many choices is, is not helpful. Uh, and so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll score things and things along that line, but uh, the keyword searches, there are some really good tools out there. Uh, Hrefs is excellent. It's one of my favorite tools. But I don't have access to that. Um, I try to stick with the free tools, but simply because I don't want to um, do the research that I have to do to make the decision of which one to buy. <laughs> so I just <laughs> choose a free one. And if it works for me, then I, then I use that. Another thing I use is Grammarly. Um, yeah. That helps me just you know clean up my text. But Grammarly doesn't really understand WordPress that well. So if you're using something in WordPress, it doesn't understand. And it says this word is wrong. No, Grammarly, go home. It's not wrong. <laughs> so that's that's probably the next biggest tool that I use. But more tools are, are geared toward writing than anything else. Yeah, that's awesome. What about you, I'm Eric? Any I was going to say, I have actually have a question. I'm curious, you know, about how much time do you put in an average blog post? One day, usually um, I'll get up and start writing about eight o'clock and around five, I'm done. So it, it's a full day's work for a single post. Now, if it's something um, that's that needs more research, then sometimes there are two days. But if it's just a list of plugins, I can do those in a day huh. that's, the, that's the, really um, showcase i don't have to research those uh yeah I, I love i love those i don't have to research those so i'm done with those in a day and sometimes i'm done a little bit earlier than that i, I can be done at four o'clock or something like that and of course what i'll do instead of getting done early and go start on another article is just relax <laughs> Stephanie wanted to know how long is your typical blog post then word count wise? Typically around 1200 words. I shoot for about a thousand and, but a, about a thousand to 1500 is kind of the ballpark for almost every client. So about around 1,200 is average. Huh. I've never put an entire day in on writing a blog post. Maybe that's why I <laughs> don't do that well. <laughs> Possibly why I've never written a blog post. Now, I'm, slow. Yeah, exactly. I'm a slow writer. 
<laughs> I'm a, I'm a slow writer. Um, I, I probably spend more more time researching than than I should. So, so and uh, I, I can put the words on the page kind of quick, but then I. I yeah, I think I'd be the opposite. I think because I'd be writing about something that I kind of vaguely know about, it's the writing part that I find a little bit scary. Um, so Steph asked a question, which I really have a question about as well, which is around tone of voice. How do you work out tone of voice in terms of you're writing for lots of different people? So it's not even just you. Um, do, do clients always give you the tone of voice? Um, how does that work? If you're writing and you don't have a particular tone of voice, do you like pick a particular strategy? How does that work? That one is really hard for me to put into words uh, because I'm a, I'm a natural writer. I'm not a natural speaker. You could probably tell. <laughs> I'm a natural writer. So I, my thought process in my, my writing has already happened my first draft has already taken place in my head before I go to the All paper. Right. So it's kind of hard for me to, to choose how I'm going to have a voice for me. It's just my natural, my natural writing voice. Yeah. Um, but it is something that a lot of people do need to work on. How do you approach it? And here's kind of my train of thought. My process is to write for the average reader, yeah. but I don't want to leave out the advanced reader. And I don't want to have the beginner to be lost. So I want to include everyone. So I tried to bring it. I try to bring con complex topics down to a level that makes sense to everybody. And that's not easy to do. Uh, so that's kind of one of my strengths. And the way I approach that is just I don't use jargon. If I do need to use jargon, I try to explain it as I go in the easiest way that I can. I'm not going to explain what a plugin is. If you don't know what a plugin is, then you know, there's articles <laughs> for that. But if it's, if it's, if it, you know, if it's something that I can include the word, but then I'll stop for a second, pause, and just give you just a, a sentence. This is what I mean by this. And so I try to include as much information as I can, but I don't want to drag that down so that the advanced readers have to skip this entire paragraph. Just give them a sentence. Just break it down exactly the way Tim does at the beginning of this. He defines what we're talking about and he, he uses as few words as possible. Succinct. Make it as succinct as you can. Unlike what I'm doing right now in my talking. <laughs> but um, but as far as developing your voice, decide how you want to approach the writing itself. Do you want to be a how to writer? Do you want to teach in your writing? Do you want to just be an information list? Do you want to, what kind of article do you want to write? Do you want to write persuasive? Do you want to write informative? Um, I don't write persuasive. I don't write what, what you would consider copy, uh, web copy, or, or like when you're trying to sell a product. I don't really write that way. I write informative essays. So I start with a introduction, then the body, then the closing. And throughout the entire body is just building up to that closing. This is how you, you know, step through this process all the way through. And then at the end of it, this is my conclusion. The way I do the conclusions is kind of a summary of the, of the body. So that if you, you know, if you need to skim around a little bit, you're probably going to find the main point in the conclusion, if possible. Sometimes I don't have the word count to do that. And I just have to close it out. But um, for me, it's just, choosing what kind of writer you want to be. And I want to, I want to be an informative essay writer. 
So I approach it from the informative viewpoint. I'm also a technical writer. And I don't mean by, by that, I don't mean writing technical things. I mean, using the technical writing approach where you would break things down into subtopics. You notice I have a lot of headings and subheadings. Each of those subheadings will include one point, one main point. And then I might need to bring in an extra point or something and tell you how to do it. But then if I'm, if I'm bringing in another point, it goes to another subheading or maybe another heading, another large heading. So it's the way you break the content down into its main points. If you look at it, every one of those points is the outline. Yeah. So if you write you based on an outline. By writing your outline on your like Word document. So you've got almost like your headings for the whole article before you start writing the article? I don't, but most writers do. Uh, the yeah. way I approach that is I'll write down, I want to make this point. I want to make this point. I want to make this point. And those become the outline as I'm writing. And yeah. for me, it's a little bit more free and a little bit more free flowing. And it's more natural for me. Now, sometimes they will give me an outline and they'll say, write to this outline. It does feel a little bit stiff to me. Yeah. And it's hard for me to, I almost always add something. I almost always take something away. <laughs> They've never complained. So it must be working, but, um, yeah. but that, that is definitely a way. Yeah. I'm getting that's the feeling that as a teenager, uh, you were that person that like, you know, was a little sneaky. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't want to do it that way because it doesn't make sense to me. It's got yeah. to make sense to me. I was telling yeah. Tim before I'm an INFJ. INFJ, well, I'll follow the steps, but the steps have to make sense. If they don't make yeah. the sense, if they don't make sense, I'm going to change the steps. <laughs> well, you're not going to be but, able to do your job if it doesn't make sense to you. Right. Like right. anytime we talk about something that we don't believe in, everyone's mm. going to see that. Like they're going to exactly. completely not believe us. They don't want to listen to us. But anytime we're talking about something that mm -hmm. we really love or we're excited about, then of course they're going to be engaged and want to read or listen right. or whatever. Yeah. Makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. For, for my process, when it's a longer article, I've, I, I like doing the outline and basically mm -hmm. it helps me kind of see the whole big picture and then kind of the macro view. And yeah. then as I'm going, I can kind of piece together. Okay. Here's the, the main points. Okay. This actually makes sense here. No, it doesn't. I got to move it over here. Mm -hmm. And then from the macro view, then I go in and, and, and fill in the gaps and everything. Um, Perfect. And, and that that works for me just the way my brain works. But I like what you said that yeah. it it that doesn't make sense for you. You feel it, it, it's stiff and, and everything. And I think I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is is find what works for you with that writing process. And you don't really find what works for you until you you do it and you get out there and, yeah. and you publish. Um, yeah. I think it was WordCamp uh, Orange County 2016. It's where I met Sarah for the first time in person. Um, where there was a, 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 a talk called just hit publish. And it, I mean, it's, it's all in the name, right? Like just hit publish. We, we get so kind of stuck yeah. wanting to create the perfect article. And I find myself getting stuck in the outline phase because I'm trying to plan out the perfect article instead of just getting in there and writing it. So I like what you said, Randy, where you want to feel more free to be able to make the points and write and stuff. And, and so, yeah, sometimes I feel like I, I need to, you know, take a little bit of that into my process rather than kind of being rigid with, you know, the, the outline macro view. Um, so, yeah. And yeah. also back to developing your voice, 
you don't really need to worry so much about that as, as you start, as you write, you will naturally develop your voice based on the kind of content you want to write. So the, the best thing you can do is just keep writing. Yeah. I've been thinking that um, I've, I really struggle with writing. It was one of those things. I think I didn't get glasses until a few years ago. And I think English was really challenging subject for me at school. And I think it's one of those things where it's always been this stumbling block for me, but I don't mind talking. So it's interesting you saying that you really struggle with the talking side of it, but you're really comfortable writing. I'm almost the opposite to that. And I've often thought, but I've never done yeah. it, but I've often thought, well, maybe the thing that would work for me is to literally like, present to my phone and just record myself, yep. transcribe it, and then Absolutely. kind of fix it up and maybe, Perfect. you know, reshape it that way. But yeah. I think sometimes for some of us, it's the starting part that's really hard. And maybe it is that thing of uh, just working out where do you feel the most comfortable? Okay, let's just start there. Like, let's just try that. Right. It may not work, but it can't hurt to try it. It and will work. Certainly for yeah. me, looking at a blank page is very yeah. daunting. Um, whereas, you know, something like TV chat, I find quite yeah. comfortable. So I think one of those things of trying to self-examinate, where are your stumbling blocks? Okay, let's put those aside and find just something that's a little bit more comfortable. And maybe it is that I still need to get some support from a content writer or whatever, but um, equally um, just working out where could you actually start but might be a good place. Start with your strength. Whatever your strength is, start there. If talking is your strength, say it and then write down what you said. That's exactly right. That's exactly where you should start. Yeah, that's good. I think it also knowing, <laughs> I think it also knowing where you go off the rails. Cause for me, I've learned I have to have the title locked in because if not, I'll, I'll start out writing about one topic, but then I go to this one, then this one, then this one, and, and again, nothing makes sense. Um, so for me, I start with the title, and then as I start writing, I'm like, oh, this doesn't fit. It, it goes over onto a list of ideas because that can that should yeah. just be its own blog post over there. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah, that's, that's what we're really going Yeah, I like that. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah for excellent. me it's 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 brain dump and then outline. Okay, here's here's the brain dump. Now, how do I structure this yep. in a way that makes sense? Um, and and I'm I'm not trying to to push my process by any means, but I find <laughs> that when you have a good outline and then you turn that into the article, mm -hmm. not only is it good for the kind of the planning and the writing process, but it actually makes the article easy to follow and then easy for the search engines too, which Randy says, uh, or Randy, you said that you don't start the outline, but you structure it that way as like a technical article. Yes. Right. right. Yeah. I have a question. In, in that sense, it heading. is an outline. Right. Yeah. Okay. I have a question around heading. So you generally, I would assume an article has a H1, which is the main title of the page. And then you're basically, when you're saying your main headings, they're H2s. Yes throughout the article, I would assume. Um, and then you're saying sometimes right. you have sub, which would go to a H3 potentially. Would H3 be the yes. lowest point that you would ever get in an article? Hmm. No, I've gone all the way to four and five. It just depends wow. on what, what you need to structure. It, it's okay. Um, yeah, you, you can you can do four or five. I don't go beyond five, and I usually don't go to, uh, to five. More often than not, I go to four than five. But yeah, yeah, you can you can structure on down. It's okay. Yeah, cool. 
Yeah, and one thing about SEO is a lot of times uh, us in the web creation world, we get kind of stuck on not wanting to break any SEO rules, like the like the one H one tag per page, and that's something that in like in the web world and SEO and stuff, everyone follows that rule. And it's like, oh no, I can't have more than one H one. But Google actually has said that we're not really sure where that came from. You can, it's not going to hurt you. Like right. their, their whole point is they want <laughs> exactly. things to be well organized and structured because it's good for the yes. user. And then yes. that helps the search and also understand what it's about. And so, right. um, yeah, there's not like one right way for SEO to structure right. your, your content, right. but just make it organized and make it make sense to the user. And that will, will help with SEO exactly. in turn. Another and point with SEO is, go ahead. I was gonna say, and if you do that, you're also leading into making sure that you're meeting accessibility uh, guidelines. Mm-hmm. So now you're making exactly. your website more accessible as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Boom. Yeah. Another point with SEO, it changes over time. You know, Google, you know, they say do it this way and then they say do it that way. And then they, you know, it needs to be this long. Now it needs to be this short. Do what's natural and create quality content. Put quality first. If you create quality content first, let SEO catch up with the, the kind of content you're creating. Uh, don't, in other words, don't try to don't try to create your content just for SEO, uh, just for the current rules, because they will change. Number one, quality. Yeah, yeah great point. Yeah, the, the quality will never be obsolete stuffing. for SEO. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's their goal. That's Google's goal the whole time anyway, is to improve quality. I've seen a lot of people do keyword stuffing. I never do keyword stuffing. I see people, you know, they say, I have to have this many words. I have to do it this way and this way and this way. Do what works for the article you're working on, for the audience you're writing for. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. So we are uh, nearing the end of our time here. I'm kind of want to just scan, make sure we didn't get any uh, additional questions. Uh, All right. It looks good. So uh, Randy, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but we typically do final thoughts here on Divi Chats. We kind of go around and and share our our final thought can be reiterating something you've already said or, or some, you know, that last little thing that you forgot to mention that you want to say. So, um, since you're the guest, we won't make you go first unless you have something in mind you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> I'll go ahead and, 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 and go first. So when it comes to content marketing, I want to reiterate what we talked about before mm-hmm. and just hit publish, uh, you know, and, and find what works for you. You know, for Sarah, it might be dictating, you know, and just kind of doing that brain dump from talking form and then organizing. For me, it's, it's brain dump and outline, but just get out there and write uh, because that's the only way to develop your voice and to actually get search traffic from your content. You can't get, you can't do content marketing if you don't write the content. So. I like it. Good final thought. My final thought is I need to get started. um, And this is a good kick up the bum. So my final thought is if there's anyone out there like me, we can all give it a crack together. Um, I have had various goes at writing out um, a few lists of things that I'm interested in writing in. And so my final thought is that I'm going to try and narrow down a couple of topics and get started. That's my final thought. Anyone could join me if you want to. If you haven't written any blog posts either, we can begin together. 
Oh, it's like a Divi chat writing challenge. Uh, I think for my final thought, it would be um, the to remember the principle behind the practice. Uh, when you see a blogger that you really like, um, they're them. So let them be them. Don't just try to copy yes. what they're doing because that doesn't mean it's going to work for you just because it's working for them. Ask why is that working? What's the general principle at play? And then figure out how you put that into your practice. So don't try to be Neil Patel. We already have one of him. We don't need another. Just <laughs> yeah. be you. That's awesome. What about you, Randy? Final thought? When you're trying to come up with a type of content to create, look at the pain points in the comments of the articles that you see online, uh, in the, the chat groups and things along that line. But develop the content around your call to action. Think of Stephen Covey. Think of the seven habits of highly effective people. Uh, work with the end in view. So when you're mm -hmm. creating content, figure out what your call to action is and write toward that. But don't just write about that. Write about things that are related to that. An example of that, if you are if, if you have a forms plugin, you want to write tutorials about forms, but then you also want to figure out what's related to this and how forms are used. Uh, and that might be talking about how to create a, an events page and how to structure the events page and what events plugins to use. By the way, here's a form that, that works with that. So it's related. So look at the pain points, look at your call to action and look at what's related to that. That's good. Nice. Love it. That's awesome. Well, I thank you, Randy. That one of the really, the really fun things has been Randy that um, your internet has had these Thanks. little buffering moments, but it's always at like a strategic Point. So you'll be like midway through and you'll be like about to make your big point and then it'll like go really slow and then it speeds up as you like make the point and it's kind of been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. It's it's been the best possible lag. Yeah. <laughs> At the best possible moments. Makes me like lean. Lag is so convenient. <laughs> Consider it. Consider it lag. That's right. There you go. That's awesome. Cool. Well, uh, thanks again, Randy, for uh, it's, it's, joining. It's been Divi great Chat. being here. I appreciate it very much. Good, good, good. And thanks again to Eric for hopping on as well. We're always uh, super glad to have Eric part of the panel. And uh, yeah, uh, we, we'll definitely see everyone same time, same place. Uh, Divi Chat O'Clock, as our pal Stephanie says. Uh, because it's a different time depending on where you are in the world. Um, and uh, yeah, if you like this episode, do us a favor, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Um, and if you are just really thankful for all of the content value that we're putting out there <laughs> into the the world, uh, if you wouldn't mind giving us a, uh, a review on uh, whatever podcast platform that you are listening on, um, you can go to, uh, oh shoot, I'm going to totally butcher rate this, it. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash TV chat. Boom. Nailed it. I was like, is it rate this cast? Rate this. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> All right, everyone. Until next time. We'll see you then. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.